tell you a funny story before I start into this. So we have a new copier that I know how to work some days. And today was not one of those days. And so I had notes, and I went to copy the notes. They were the notes that Dawn will use to advance the slides and to do what we do. And so I started talking to someone, and right before church, I ran back to get my notes. And you ever try to copy something, and the pages come out curled, and they're just like, I don't know what happened. Look like you threw it through a fan. So I put them together the way that I thought they went. They didn't. So the last service was like a blooper reel in a sense of me trying to follow notes and slides. And Dawn, you are a extra jewel in the crown in heaven, I think, for that one. So today I wanted to share with you um, a thought, a picture. A picture would be good. We'll start with this picture. And in Ohio, there are those gray days. There are those rainy days that happen, and sometimes they are days upon end. It'll go for a week or so, and, you know, it just, you see everyone. It just kind of brings people down, and so I was thinking about that as I was studying, and I was thinking about Solomon. I thought, oh, this is going to be about Solomon. God, you got about Solomon. So you imagine this, the wisest man that ever lives, and imagine in his court how people would come there, and they would just be in awe of the way that God's wisdom flowing through this man helped him to make decisions, and he was unlike anyone in the way that he used wisdom. He writes the book of Proverbs, and the things that were in the book of Proverbs are just as true today as they were when they were written. That instruction, that godly instruction, what to watch out for, what to do. He's the son of David, his father, an eclectic man, if you will. He was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was a poet. He was a warrior. He was an imperfect king. And with David, one of my favorite psalms that he wrote was Psalm 37. From a young age, I remember Alan Watson teaching us in a midweek class, and those words, trust, delight, commit, rest, trust, delight, commit, rest. What's wild about Psalm 37, though, is a lot of psalms will start out with praise to God. They would start out, you know, praise ye the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, this psalm is different in the sense that it is written as a conversation, if you will. It's instruction going forward. When I picture David, at the point of the writing, there is a painting at Cleveland Museum of Art that Dina loves. It's of David, and he's sitting on this rooftop. And as you see, the crown is laying here beside him. He hasn't thrown it down. But here is a man who God is using to lead his people, and you can just imagine that there would be times that he would feel like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. And as he sits looking out, I can only imagine how his heart felt. So it's thought that this psalm was written not by David, the shepherd boy, but written by an older man. It means that David at this point is speaking from a place of experience, takes into account all the places that he has been with God throughout his life. You, regardless of your age today, have a path that God has been beside you throughout your life. There are times that it has not been easy, 
But at the point that you are, I imagine David's heart looked like this in a contemporary fashion, if we were to say when he writes this, this is kind of where David's coming from. And some of you know a thing or two because you've seen a thing or two, and God has imparted a certain amount of wisdom within us. And so today, I want to talk about the importance of that wisdom that has been hard learned at times, but it is not just for you, but as part of the family of Christ, it's for you to be able to pass on to other people. And so in Psalm 37, it starts out with three words, depending on which version of the Bible you read. These are the three words in the version that I read. No praise there. He's pointing right at me. Do not fret, he says. The first two verses go like this. Do not fret because of evildoers, neither be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. They will wither like a green herb. See, there are two types of people that are discussed often in Psalms and Proverbs. There are the righteous and there are the wicked. Here's a spoiler alert for life. There's some bad people in the world that seem to be doing pretty good for themselves. And here is a truth. It can be tough on faith when you feel like you've been caught out in the rain. When the storm falls and you're just in the middle of things sometimes, it can feel really tough. Do you know why that is? It is because you are a child of God. And there are times that circumstance and what you're seeing right here don't line up and it messes with you. But do you know what can mess with us even more as believers? When the storms fall and when the wicked seem to be like this. It's for you, Bethany. When the wicked seem to be doing that, dancing in the rain, they're just like, oh, it's great. And you're thinking, what's going on? The reason that's so hard for us in faith is because we are children of God. And again, we're trying to line things up. And you can come to a point, and I will share this, that I had a relative who did not believe in Jesus Christ. And he was a very intelligent person. And he said to me, I can walk into a room and I can tell you who the Christians are. And he's like, oh, you mean like a church? He's like, no, not at all. Any room. I'm like, how do you know? His response, because often they are the most miserable looking people there. I was like, hmm, okay, where do you want to eat? You know, I just had to change the subject because didn't know where to go with that. We read in Galatians 5 about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We often refer to those as fruits of the Spirit, but a few weeks ago in the Brotherhood, Norm Mental shared a devotion and pointed out that it is seen as the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning this, it's not a pick and choose thing amongst those. It is if you are walking in Jesus Christ and if the Spirit is active in your life, then you will have all of these things operating. It's not to intimidate you. It's to say, quit picking and choosing. So back to this do not fret part. David says don't do it. Paul says don't do it. Jesus says don't do it. If we were to break it down into simple terms, fret is toxic worry. You can show slide 14 if you want, Dawn, because it goes along with our last sermon. 
okay, now to 15. If we were to define fret by the biblical words that were used in that, it means a couple of things. To glow, to blaze up. Now we would say, especially in a charismatic church, that's awesome. But what it means is this. It means walking around like a hot coal and using anger and bad emotions to flame it, to try to bring it to a place where it will catch things on fire. To fume, you can picture an open gas can just sitting around waiting for a spark to ignite it, an explosion to take place. So if you fret, you are doing those two things. And so to look, you know, because I often like reference things, and so since I liked them so much, I wrote my own. With the next slide, the Webster Practical Dictionary, not Webster, that I wrote, it means this. If you walk around fretting, it means you're either going to burn up something good from your anger from your worry, from your lack of focusing on God's plan, or you are going to get burned up. You are going to literally explode at some point. That is not who he created you to be. But here's what's cool. God never points out a problem to frustrate you. He points out a problem so that he can point to the solution. In any circumstance, he will point to solution, and it is up to you or I to take that. It reminds me of something. There was a movie in the 80s that is not a cigarette in his mouth. It is a wooden match because Stallone in the 80s. I don't know why, but that line from the movie James, is Dom smiling right now? That line in the movie, he would say to the bad guy, you're the disease, I'm the cure. And he'd say, cure. If fretting is the disease, then Jesus Christ is the cure. In Psalm 37.3, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. What is the cure for fretting? The cure for fretting starts with trusting in the Lord. When you look up what trusting means with that original wording, it means to be boldly confident. It means to be sure. And the last one that I love, it means to be careless. Notice, that does not say reckless. It says careless, meaning that the things that could weigh me down, I know that Jesus Christ is in control, and I know that he's bigger. And the cares of this world will not dictate my path in this world. Oh, the Not Webster's Dictionary? There was a commercial, I remember, when I was about seven years old that was out, and it was for deodorant, and it was raise your hand if you're sure. Raise your hand if you're sure. And there are times that we got to raise our hand if we're sure. That we can't stand around being timid. That I'm going to raise my holy hands in this house and praise the God who will do and complete all things. And there are going to be times when I'm in my own home that I'm going to raise these hands and say that I am sure of this. I am sure of this very thing. And you see, in that commercial, the reason that everybody walked around with their hands up is because they used this new deodorant. And they didn't have wet armpits gross, right? And so in faith, it comes out a lot better. That when I raise my hand, it's not that I'm advertising anything, but the delivering power and confidence in Jesus Christ. 
Trust, oh, it's a lifestyle. And true faith will always lead to action. The action will be good. But so often when it comes to our walk, we can take good and we can box it up. We can put it away. We can think that it's just this personal thing that God did just for us and he would not want it to overflow and and mess with anyone else. Oh, exactly the opposite. The Bible talks about faith and works being like peas and carrots, like Forrest Gump would say. For those in the family of God, faith is going to produce good. But when I see good in the Bible, so often I see another word with it, and that's works. Good works. What's the cure for fretting? Doing good. Not just thinking good, not just keeping it to myself good, but doing good. The Bible says in Ephesians, we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That David painting, maybe that's how you feel spiritually right now. Maybe you're sitting thinking, I don't know what the next move is. Maybe you're sitting thinking, it looks like everyone else has it so easy. If that verse is correct... In the new living, instead of workmanship, it says you are his masterpiece. Here's the truth about masterpieces. They aren't painted in one day. And if it seems like it's taking a while, God has not forsaken you, but the beauty that he is going to bring forth takes some work. Be patient. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. So it's not Christians walking around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm better than people, look what I do. No, in fact, often it is the discernment that comes from Jesus Christ that leads you to do things that other people may not do in a given circumstance. I often talk about when we are at a restaurant and when a server does not come off very nice, and I'm sitting there thinking, what did I do to these people? And my wife will be like, I should just say something. So if the server comes up and is rude, my wife will say, are you okay? Is something wrong with you? And I'm like, okay, date night just turned into Dr. Phil. But those are the moments that God will use and he will say, do good in that moment. Do good in that moment when someone in your family, instead of turning into some big thing, taking that moment and saying, what's really going on right now? What's really going on? Because I hear what's coming at me. Oh, I'm aware. But what's the deeper issue? What's going on? Good works from the people of God will often involve discernment. Doing good, I love the way that it's defined in the Strongs. It says beautiful, best, and better, meaning any situation that I walk in, I may not fix all of it, but I'm going to leave it better than I walked in because that's what people of Jesus Christ do. To do good. In my terminology... What's that mean? Let's get real. What's coming out of here? 
You know, I often say it. Like, we live in a time where there aren't past areas of our lives. So if we walk around spouting angriness all the time, if we walk around celebrating when other people fail, if we walk around judging, if we walk around gossiping, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can't bring about beauty if we're cultivating ugliness. We just can't. What's the cure for fretting? The Bible says, dwell in the land. To dwell means to seek refuge from impending danger. And as a Christian, I'm really good at that. When the sky falls, I can run. God, help me, help me, help me, fix it. But it's amazing over the past few weeks, the way the word dwell keeps coming up. And we read about Isaac. We read about Jacob. We read about Abraham. You read about the fact that dwell, when they would be told to dwell somewhere, it would mean to settle down after being shaken. When you feel like you've been in the spin cycle, are you able to bring it down to a place to reflect God? To dwell means to inhabit a place for a time, but I like the last word of that. When it says permanence, It means when God places me somewhere, I am going to represent for him. It means that when I'm here, I'm not going to shrink back. Oh, I'm not going to say I'm taking over because I'm on a mission from God. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say I am a child of the living God. And when I come into a situation, I want to see it the way he would see it. I want to establish his kingdom in this place. It says in the Bible to stand firm then. And the ladies are doing the armor of God study. Ephesians 6.14 starts out with stand firm then. Another version says to take your place. There is a spot with your name on it, Dottie, that I cannot take for you. There is a spot with my name on it that Monica cannot take for me. If we believe that God directs footsteps, then we must believe that there are spots with our name on it, that we need to go there in the name of Jesus and stand firm in that place. I'm reminded of this scene from The Lion King. And in this scene from The Lion King, you have the father. You have Mufasa saying to the son, son, everything the light touches is your kingdom. In other words, one day all this will be yours. And there are spiritual times that we can think that's how it goes. There was a day that I stood right here on this stage and and the head of the state was here and said, you know, you're going to pastor that church. It can feel like this Simba moment. And then reality comes knocking. And the sun set doesn't seem as pretty some days. But you know who has called you. You know who has given you the authority to be who he has called you to be. When we say permanence, sometimes we can look out over things and think that it looks empty. It looks barren. It looks like God placed me here to punish me. 
give me that next picture, Don, at that little kid. Maybe he placed you here because he wanted you to build kingdom there. Maybe he placed you in a barren place because he said, I need you to be my representative and establish something here that people have yet to see. In Lamentations, it says, God's mercies never fail. They are new every morning. The Lord is my portion, and I will hope in him. I think of it like an all-you-can-eat buffet. His mercy, his mercy, his mercy. I need his mercy, and every day it's like this sign's lit up. You've got it, you've got it, you've got this thing, I love you. And what's wild is when you look up feeding on God's mercy, because that was the second part of what he says there. He says to dwell in the land and to feed on the goodness of God. Feed on the things God's going to give you. What's wild is it's directly tied to the second chapter of Acts and the end of that chapter and the way that it talks about the church growing. So do you know what things began to change when you feed on the goodness of God, when you feed on the things that he's going to give you, everything will change. The way you fellowship with other people, the things you're going to see come to pass, the way your heart feels, the praise that'll come out of your mouth, the favor that you will have. But what's wild is, when I read Acts chapter two, there is no place where it says, and please include room to fret. Nowhere in that. What's wild is God didn't airdrop his people right into the promised land. They had to march around to Jericho. And there's going to be some things you've got to march around. And it may feel weird marching around them. It may feel weird when he takes you to places that you don't know why he's asking you to do what you do. But right now, it's important to understand this. Fretting is a choice. You have a choice. Make your choice. Just as I said in the Bible with Psalms and Proverbs, there were two groups of people, the righteous and the wicked. When it comes to righteousness, it doesn't mean we've arrived. It means that we have a relationship. It means that there is a path for me to understand that this earthbound heart right now can glorify a heavenly father. It means that I can look at things and say I have a choice in how I'm going to react. So let me give you a grand list of the choices that we have this morning right here. When it comes to your list of choices, you do fret or you do not fret. But wait, no, there's no more. We can't control what comes up, but we can control how we let it affect us. I have a God-given ability to turn times of worry into some of the most powerful prayer that I've ever experienced. I have the ability to turn bad situations into times when praise will confuse the devil because he has no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so God whispers again to someone here, take your place. Take your place. Remember who you are and take your place. And you know what's wild about it? If you've watched the movie, a cinematic masterpiece, right, Don? When Simba takes his place, it is not in a red sunset. This is what it looks like when he takes his place. 
in the pouring rain when the wicked had seemingly destroyed anything of value in the place that he was to inherit. There is a part of you that may feel like you are getting poured on today. Just poured on. But step up into your place anyway. The road ahead may require you to purchase a sign. To say to other people, I haven't arrived yet, but I'll tell you what, I'm not giving the devil another minute in worry. I haven't arrived yet. And you know what? I am still applying for jobs, but God's going to see me through. You know what? That at work sign, you are a, you're kind of like, was it 77 around Akron? It is a project that will never end until the Lord comes back. The root of the righteous cannot be moved, it says in Proverbs 12. Righteousness means rightness. Righteousness requires relationship, and righteousness does not leave space for former things. What do I mean by that? I mean when Joshua stands before the people, and Joshua says to them, choose you this day. I love that because Joshua had all the power as a leader to say, I'm choosing for us. But I like how Joshua just framed it up in faith and saying, places that we need to go. Places God has called us to be. And here's how we need it to roll. But I need you to make a choice. And every single day God is saying that to you and I. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Choose you this day if you're going to choose bitterness. Choose if you're going to worry. You're going to choose that. But as for me and my house, Joshua said, what you have is you have a say what happens in this house, in this heart. What comes out of this mouth. You are the one who can control that. And I'm telling you what, as for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to close. King David, if that is where you have been hanging out spiritually, just take in a minute. You see that laying over there? He had the right to wear it. If unworthiness has put you at a place where you think that all you need to do right now is sit back and just let whatever life throws at you happen, no. Pick up the crown. Take your place. Know that you're a child of the Most High. Because where things are going... There is wisdom for you to impart. There are people that God is going to put into your path that they need you to be present. I've spoken before about our pastor's wife when she was diagnosed with cancer. And how to this day, when she is out at a restaurant, if she sees someone who clearly has been going through radiation or chemo, that she will stop what she's doing. And she will go over to them. And she will introduce herself. And she will let them know the journey that God has brought her through. 
and she will let them know, I'm going to be praying for you. None of us would have chosen that path of cancer for Sister Nip. But what she's done is she has taken the things that God himself as a healer, as a deliverer, and she takes them into every space with permanence where she walks and she establishes kingdom in a booth at Smoky Bones, wherever it might be. That is what God's calling us to do today. If you'll stand, please. Before we pray, I don't want anyone who's in the house to feel any type of condemnation in a way like, oh, so since I've been battling with, with worry, that means, no, what it means is that God is bigger. What it means is you can walk in church and think everybody else has got it all together. But if we were to be really honest about things, the percentage of people who have it totally together is probably really small. God's got you. Let's pray, and then we are going to play it out. The team will come and dismiss us. Lord, right now in this house, I pray that your hand would be upon your people. And God, I pray that you would remind us of the places that you have set us to take for you, to take kingdom, to establish your things. And Lord, I pray your peace in every situation. I pray your confidence, and I pray your boldness. Because Father, I am going to take the place with my name on it. Because that's what you've called me to do. You are a good father. In Jesus' name, amen.